You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleburne, Texas and meets on Sundays. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleburne.com. So growing up, I grew up in the left behind era of the church. Anybody, anybody remember the left behind books, right? That it sparked fear in the hearts of all of us. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, I, I'd wake up on a Sunday morning and sometimes I'd walk into the living room and not hear anybody and, and go, did I get left behind? Is my family gone? Did I get left behind? But then I realized that I'm the most saved of all my family, so I'm not going to get left behind. But I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And I'm just joking. But, you know, I thought that Jesus, the return of Jesus was so imminent that I was not going to be able to grow up, get married, and have children. In fact, there was times that I would pray at night and ask the Lord Jesus, if you could just tarry long enough for me to get married as long as I get married, I'll be fine whenever you come back. So fast forward, 2023, uh, not only did Jesus tarry long enough for me to get married, he tarried long enough for me to have four children. I just kept thinking eventually he would come back, uh, but he didn't, uh, and he hasn't come back yet. But what I want you to understand this morning is that we live in the end times. Don't get me wrong. We are living in the end times right now, but... And that this is kind of a big but here. We've been in the end times since Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus said he was coming back. And he's coming back to save those who know him. But we do not know when Jesus will return. Here's what I can assure you. If somebody comes out and says, Jesus is coming back July 4, 2024. He's not coming back that day. I can guarantee you. You know why? Because the Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. So if, it, if he says no one, then who, who does that mean? Everyone. Nobody. And so, in fact, Noah, the year Noah was born, in September 2012, y'all remember 2012? The world was supposed to end in 2012. The world was supposed to end in 2000. Y2K, Jesus was coming back. You know, that's when I was worried that I was never going to get married because I was a sophomore in high school. Back when I was young, Pastor Zoe, not young anymore, middle-aged now. <laughs> but James is encouraging. Now, James is wrapping up. We've only got this week and next week, and then we're done with James. James is wrapping up, and he's saying, believers, this is how you should live in the end times. And guys, we are still living in the end times. And what James is saying to us today is, is this is the way that you should live your life. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, go to James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 7 this morning. But the title of my message, if you're taking notes, Pastor Zoe instructed you to scan the QR code, hit the sermon notes. But the title of my message today is Instructions for Believers in the End Times. What are some instructions? What are some things that believers should do in the end times? And if you're taking notes, I'm a good preacher today. Usually good preachers give you three points, but I'm an even better preacher because I got four points today, okay? But don't worry, you're still going to beat the Baptist to cotton patch. Let's get it. James chapter 5, starting in verse 7. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. Are we still patiently waiting for the rains in the fall and the spring? I'm not patient anymore. Lord, send the rain. 
and not 108 degree weather. They eagerly look for the vulnerable or valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. So the first thing that James is encouraging us to do is he wants us to just that, be encouraged. James speaks to Christ's return as being near. So even in the time of James, he's saying that Christ's return is near. Christ will come as a judge, both for the wicked and he will come to save those who know him. Our belief in Christ's return can give us courage to face difficult days. It can provide us with the stamina to endure persecution. Now, let's face it. You live in America. As much as you think that you may be persecuted, you are not persecuted. Okay? As long as we can assemble in this service without fear of anyone coming to stop us, we are not being persecuted. What we are seeing is a little bit of an inconvenience. We actually, we actually have to know what we believe and actually stand up for it. <gasps> How dare we, right? No longer is it in vogue to be a Christian anymore. But you know what? I'm, I'm here to, to let you guys know something. When Christianity is in vogue, when is it, it's accepted, it doesn't spread as quickly as it does when it's being persecuted. Where's the fastest move of God? China, India. You know what's, what's interesting about China and India? It's not necessarily legal to be a Christian. And it's moving fast. But here in America, we've become almost a post-Christian nation. We've become so post-Christian that we're becoming a pre-Christian nation. You know, I was, I was doing something the other day and was teaching the Bible. And I was asked, when did the Lord's Supper start? You take that for granted. You know when the Lord's Supper started. But I was asked, Pastor, when did the Lord's Supper start? Because people don't know the scriptures in the way that we do. It, you know, y'all remember the felt board in Sunday school? Or my wife showed me some videos that she learned all her theology from. It was, it was greatly produced. What, what were those videos called? The Greatest Adventure. And anybody remember those? The Greatest Adventure? She was showing me those the other day. I, I guess I wasn't blessed enough to see those. I just learned them from the felt board. But guys, we're called to be encouraged and we're called to live differently. Guys, the reason the church is, continues to be on the decline is when we were, we were at our greatest moment. When COVID happened, when we thought the world was going to fall apart, what did we do? We were just as scared and ran and hid just as much as everybody else. We had an opportunity to go, you know what? We serve a risen Savior. We serve someone that no matter what happens, Jesus is going to come back for the redeemed. And what did we do? We ran and we hid and we were scared. Because as Christians, we should have hope. No matter what happens, God is still in control and Jesus is coming for us. And we have to, we have to remember that it doesn't matter who's in office in Washington, D.C., who is over the state of Texas, who is over this region. Jesus is still on the throne and he's coming back for us one day. And we've got to remember that. But we live in fear like something's going to happen. Guys, read the end of the story. 
Jesus is coming back for you. And it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if you die before he comes back for you. Guess what happens? If you know Jesus, you're walking the streets of gold with him. Miss Ruby's with me. The rest of you need to wake up, okay? Let's keep going. Verse 9. Do not grumble about each other. I'm going to read that one one more time. Do not grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Just write that on your mirror in the, in, at your house. For look, the judge is standing at the door. The second thing that James encourages us to do is we have to work together. Work together. I love that the Johns are here today because they are, they are taking the gospel to the world. We get to see that, that through them, through our investment in them, we can take the gospel to the nation. And what he's saying is don't grumble against one another. Work together to reach the world. Because listen, I love Hope Church. I think, in my opinion, and, and I'm biased, that Hope Church is the greatest church in the nation. But even the greatest church in the nation cannot do it all alone. We cannot reach our nation by ourselves. Guys, if everybody in Cleaver decided to just wake up and go to church, there would not be room in all of the churches to, to have all the people. We have to work together. But we must remember that we are on the same team. First Baptist Church, they're on our team. Threat Church that we can see from our parking lot, they're on our team. The church behind us, the church over here. I'm drawing the blank of the names of the church. <laughs> they're both faith. I forget, I get them mixed up. Don't tell them. Faith Depot, Faith Temple, they're on our team. And you know what? We just love Hope Church, but we also pray that those churches would flourish as well. Because when the gospel is moving, there's not going to be room enough in all of our churches. Guys, the task at hand is too great for one church to accomplish it on its own. We must work together so that no one should perish. And that's the thing. You know why the devil wants us to grumble against one another? You know why the devil wants us to fuss and fight? Because if we're spending so much time fussing and fighting, if we're spending all of our energy fussing and fighting with one another, we're not spending our energy reaching the lost. And they're going to hell because we're too busy fussing and fighting over theology. Guys, I don't believe the same way that the Baptists do. I don't believe in the same, the same way the Church of Christ do. But you know what? They're going to, go to be, they're going to go and be in heaven with me. And so they're not on. They're not my enemy. Just because we believe something different in the Bible, we're not enemies. We're on the same team. They're just a different flavor of ice cream than me. And that's okay. Ice cream is still great regardless of what flavor you get, praise the Lord. Right? Cookies and cream is the best. The rest of you need to get saved. Right? <laughs> Glory in the house of the Lord this morning. Right? Ice cream is still ice cream. It's still great, regardless of what flavor you have. The same is true with the church. The church is still great, regardless of what flavor of church you go to. But guys, if we work together, we will save the world before it is all too late. Because one day Jesus is going to come back and your friend's going to look at you and say, why didn't you tell me? You had the greatest news in all the world and you never told me. 
James 5, skip down to verse 10. I'm preaching today. Some of you are with me, some of you are not. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Number three, the Bible tells us to look to the word for strength. James talks about Job. If you know the story of Job, Job was a righteous man and he lost everything. The devil went to the Lord and said, listen, I bet you I can turn James against you. And God said, well, you can go ahead and try. And in the end, James lost everything, but he did not lose his faith. What did I say? James? Too many J's today, okay? <sighs> Got too many J names today. Y'all know, y'all are with me, okay? Preach with me, all right? So Job lost everything. But in the end, he didn't lose his faith. And what James is saying to us is the Old Testament prophets, we should look to them and their endurance and their perseverance. The word perseverance means persistence. If you look at it in the Greek, it means persistence. It means an active patience. How many of you are good in patience? My mom used to sing me a song. I hate it. Have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. There's more to the song, but I stopped listening after that because <laughs> I was working on having patience. If you would like her to sing you the rest of the song, I'm sure she would be happy. But what, what the Bible is telling us is to have perseverance, have an active patience. We're not supposed to just be waiting for Jesus to come back. We are supposed to be studying the word. We are supposed to be getting ourselves ready. We are supposed to be digging into our word, preparing ourselves for the day that we will need it. God doesn't want us to just exist. He wants us to be growing and moving forward. The way to move forward is by getting into the word of God. Guys, God's word is like gasoline on the heart of a believer. If you, if you are not in his word, do not be surprised when your spiritual tank is empty. You know, a lot of people say, well, preacher, you know, I know you preach real hard, but your messages, they just don't feed me anymore. Well, here's the problem. If you're not feeding yourself throughout the week, you're starving and what little morsel of bread that I can give you in the 30 minutes that I have to preach is not enough to sustain you. What, what works great is when you get into the word of God and you've been studying the word of God all week and then somehow God talks to the preacher and hits you right across the face with what he's been talking to you about all week. Now you're like, well, pastor, how'd you know what the Lord was speaking to me about? Because he's been speaking to me about the same thing all week. And you just have to hear it for 30 minutes on Sunday when he's been whooping my tail all week about having patience and active patience. And persevering with the people and working together as a team. All right. Yeah. Patience. Y'all are writing this morning. Verse 12. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say simply yes or no. So say that you are, say you will not sin, 
and be condemned. What James is suggesting to us, number four, is to have reverence for God. Have reverence for God. We are God's people. We are supposed to, if we say we're going to do something, do it. If we're saying we're not going to do something, do it. Here the appeal is for us to avoid using God's name disrespectfully. He wants us to honor God. And oftentimes we use God as our excuse. Anybody ever, when you were dating, I'm sure I was the only one. Did anybody ever tell a girl that you really didn't like that you were going to break up with her because God told you to? So I'm the only one, right? Okay, I'm the only one. Well, God told me to break up with you because, right, no, it's just you really just didn't like her and you were using God as your leverage. Because you can't argue if somebody says, well, I prayed about it and the Lord said this, right? Guys, sometimes I feel like we use God as our baseball bat. We say, well, you know, the Lord said this, the Lord said this. We should be very careful ever to say, the Lord said this. If you'll notice, anytime that I, I say something that I think the Lord is speaking over the church, I say, I think the Lord is saying. I don't get up here and say, thus saith the Lord, right? Because if I say, thus saith the Lord, and I'm wrong, am I bringing shame to the name of the Lord? I am. And we have to be careful with that. You know, and I'm all, listen, I'm all for prophecy. I'm all for us building one another up. And I'm all for that. I don't want you to hear me. I'm not being disrespectful about that at all. But what I want us to understand is when we throw out God's name, we need to be very careful and very respectful. For far too long, we have been using God's name to justify all kinds of bad behavior on our part. You know, we use the word, I'm going to pray for you. But do you really go pray for them? I mean, if you're being honest, are you just saying it? Because if you say to someone, I am going to pray for you, what do you need to do? You need to pray for them. Now, here's what I do. If somebody asks me for, to pray for them, I pray for them right then. Because I am forgetful. I got four kids, a church, a wife, and if, if I don't pray for you right then, I'll forget. In fact, if some of you, if you called me on the phone and said, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'll say, what do I usually say? Can I pray for you right now? Because I don't want to be a liar. But for far too often, we are, we are elevating ourselves as some spiritual creatures, but really we're just using Jesus as a, as a scapegoat sometimes for our bad behavior. Guys, we have to be respectful. We have to be respectful and honor the name of the Lord. And if you say you're going to do something in the name of the Lord, you should do it always. If you tell someone you're going to pray for them, if you come up to someone and say, the Lord told me to say this, you need to stand by that. So today was a little short one today. It's okay. You're with me. What are our transformational moments today? You know, as we wrap up this series in James, and I hope you've enjoyed it, and if you had it, sorry, uh, I'll try better. We're doing Kings next, First Kings, and man, there's going to be there's going to be some fun moments in First Kings. Okay, so don't don't miss it. The next series we're going to start on our our grand opening Sunday, September 10th, is lessons lessons from the Kings. 
Uh, and there's some valuable lessons to learn from Solomon, who was the wisest man in the earth, on the earth, but had thousands of wives. Uh, so there's some lessons to learn there. I'm just, just going to let you know. <laughs> so what are our transformational moments today? Number one, are you living with hope? Guys, I get it. We live in a world with wars going on, with economic downturn. We've got another election that's coming up that seems like that, that the only people that are capable of running don't run. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what, what, are, what are you doing here? Is America going to survive? Are we going to survive all this? But here's what we can know. Jesus is still on the throne. No matter who's on the throne in Washington, D.C., Jesus is still on the throne and he's coming back for you. Whether you still live in America or what's left of it, Jesus will come back for you and he will come to save you. So you can have hope in that. Because, guys, we can't put our hopes in politicians. We can't put our hopes in nations. Nations rise and fall, but Jesus is always there. And so are you living with hope today? Number two, are you doing the work necessary in the end times? You know, Jesus calls us to reach and save those who are lost. Some of us, the Johns, are called to take it to other nations, to other countries. Some of us are called to pray for them uh, as they go, send them, send them funds, send them resources so that they, they can go do that. But here's what we're all called to do. We're called to save everyone that's in our circle. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And do you want him to take everyone with him that you know? Because I do. I don't want anyone to be left behind. But we've got to stop fussing and fighting, arguing, arguing over things that are absolutely nonsense. And we've got to get down to the business of reaching those who need to know Jesus. Because you're living in the end times. The clock of Jesus' return started when he ascended into heaven. And we don't know when he's coming back. But our job until he does is to reach as many for Jesus as we can. The last question I have for you today is, do you need to bring an honor to God in all that you do? You know, a lot of people know that you go to church. A lot of people know that you are a Christian. Do you honor him in everything that you do? You know, oftentimes the answer is not always yes to that question, even for pastor. You know, I, some of you know, if you've been here long enough, you know that I struggle with something called road rage. I just think it's people don't know how to drive uh, and that the Lord's working on their heart uh, as, I, as I swerve past them and, and encourage them in the name of the Lord to learn how to drive. Uh, but I put love God, love people on the back of my truck, so I've got to chill out a little bit now, okay? And if you'd like that uh, love God, love people on the back of your car uh, to help you drive a little bit better, uh, they have them out at the welcome desk, and they'd love to sell you one. I think they're 
couple dollars, maybe a little bit more. Um, but you know, it's helped me go, you know, well, maybe I don't need to speed past them too fast because I want them to love God and love people. But guys, do you, do you bring honor to the Lord in all that you do? Because as we approach the end times and as the day of Jesus' return draws near, it's going to be harder for us to live a life that honors the Lord because the world is going to be pulling us in the opposite direction. And so you have to hold fast to the Lord and honor him in all that you do. But guys, I would be remiss if I preach a message and I don't give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. I'm under no illusion today that there aren't people in this audience that, that don't know Jesus and don't have a relationship with him. And so today, I want to provide an opportunity for you to do that today. So I'm going to ask our media team to dim the lights. If you're sitting there today and you're like, Pastor, you're talking about having a relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm about to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. And listen, there's nothing magical about this prayer. What's, what, what is meaningful about this is if you mean the words that you are saying. When we pray this prayer, we are saying to Jesus that I'm giving my whole life over to you. And I truly believe if you give your life over to Jesus, that you are saved. And one day when Jesus comes back, that he'll take you with him. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes all over the room. If that's you today and you want to say this prayer with me, you can just repeat it there in your chair quietly. We're not looking to embarrass you, but repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your love in my life. Forgive me where I failed you. I give my heart to you today. Take my life. Use it for your purpose. 